0: opportunity to express to you how blessed Linda and I were by the 30th anniversary celebration last week. We could never have imagined what you did, and uh, I will never forget what you did. So I simply wanted to say thank you. You blessed our hearts. During the time that we have been here, you've accepted us and loved us and we love you as well. You've taught me things I would never have learned anywhere else. About boiled peanuts. (laughs) I had never heard of a boiled peanut until I came here. And when I saw the first one that I saw, I thought it was just a wet peanut. So I have learned. And then you also taught us about mustard-based barbecue sauce. I had never seen yellow barbecue sauce before. And when I first saw the barbecue, it looked green to me. I thought something was wrong with it and people were actually eating it, but I've learned that that is the way that it is and I have learned that. You have also taught us to slow down a little bit and uh, enjoy life a little more. I was talking with uh, Dr. Naylor who pastored this church some years ago And we talked about that. He said some think people in the South are slow because they speak slowly. They are not slow. They just don't want to have to do it twice. And I think there probably is some wisdom in that as well. So I just wanted to say to you how how, uh, humble we are by your expression of love. And I wanted to express our thankfulness to you. I'm grateful for the 30 years that the Lord has given to us, but I want to speak to you about the future of the church because honestly, I believe that there are going to be some difficult days in front of the church. I think we are going to face some days that in America we have not faced before, but the reality is in much of the world it has never been easy to be a follower of Christ, I think we are going to experience that. Take your Bibles turn with me to Acts chapter 4 beginning in verse number 5 and we will see such a time in history. And it came about on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas the high priest was there and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of high Priestly descent. And when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. That by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. When I came to First Baptist Church, the downtown was declining. Businesses, people were moving out. It was a rather dire situation because that lasted for so many years. In fact, it lasted until recently when people and businesses began to come back downtown. Now, that was an inconvenience. And sometimes we experience inconveniences in the church and we think that it is persecution or that it is suffering. It is not. As I look at this passage of Scripture... The Bible says in verse number 9 that the disciples were on trial for their faith. So we are talking about two different things here. And The church in America has usually experienced some inconvenience. But going forward, I think that we are going to have some suffering. Now, how do we deal with that when it happens? What happens when the church is experiencing difficulty? Look at verse number 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. That is literally having just been filled. Having just been filled. In other words, Peter was filled with the Spirit of God when the need was present. The Holy Spirit gave him the power when the need was present, having just been filled with the Spirit. You see in Acts chapter 3, Peter had Healed a man who had been lame for 40 years as the Spirit of God came upon him. Here's the point that I want to make to you. I believe that we are going to face some difficult times in the future as the people of God. I really and truly believe that. But I want you to know that when we do, the Holy Spirit of God will enable you. When we face those times in our life, when we face those times in our faith, then the Holy Spirit of God gives us the power that we need. And that is always perplexing and confusing to the world. When the people of God walk in the power of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the world simply does not understand it. For instance, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that there was a dramatic display of the power of God, of the Holy Spirit, People were being saved. Lives were being changed. They were all speaking one language. And as the world looked, they were perplexed. The Bible says in Acts 2.12, And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? You see, folks, when you and I as the people of God face difficulties, when we face challenges for our faith, We receive the supernatural power that comes from the Holy Spirit and that is always perplexing to those who do not know the Lord. Now, what are the characteristics of someone who is filled by the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you that there are going to be some days that are difficult, challenging for us to come. The Holy Spirit is going to be available to you to give you the power that you need. What are the characteristics of that person? Well, first of all, they are people of courage. Simon Peter is the focus here. You recall the story, you know the story as well as I do, as to how Peter denied the Lord three times. When he was asked about his relationship to Jesus, he said, I don't know who he is. And yet look at him here as the Holy Spirit has come upon him to give him power. He is bold in verse number 9. If we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene whom you crucified. Can you imagine that? Simon Peter who had denied that he knew Jesus now stands before those who have authority over him and accuses them of being the ones who crucified Jesus. That's boldness. The Holy Spirit of God had come upon him to give him power, and now then he speaks boldly. Look at verse number 12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. He said there is only one way of salvation. To me, that is bold. Simon Peter is standing before these people, and he boldly confesses Jesus. You crucified him, and there is salvation nowhere else. The Apostle Paul was filled with courage as he was filled with the Holy Spirit, even when he faced death. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Now Paul here is a Roman prison. He's facing the executioner. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. And Paul facing the executioner went on to say, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith, I've finished my course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me at that day. Not to me, only to all those who love His appearing. The Apostle Paul had courage as the Holy Spirit of God came upon him. I say that to say this to you. If we face difficult days, and I believe that we will, the Holy Spirit will come to you and give you the courage that you need. The second thing is confidence. Look at verse number 13. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John. That's an interesting word. In fact it is two Greek words and it literally means all speech. Confidence, all speech. Albert Barnes wrote this word properly denotes openness or confidence in speaking. It stands opposed to hesitancy and to equivocation in declaring our sentiments. Here it means that in spite of danger and opposition, they avowed their doctrines without any attempt to conceal or to disguise them. Mm. When the Spirit of God comes upon the people of God, then they have confidence to speak the word of God. And they do so without fear. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You recall the story as well. Nebuchadnezzar had made a golden image. He told everyone to bow down to it. Everyone did except for those three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was told that they had not bowed down, and so he sent for them. They came before him. When they did, he said, I understand that you didn't bow down to the idol. He said, I'm going to give you another chance. So when you hear the music, bow down. They said, well, there's no need giving us another chance because we've already made up our mind. We're not going to do it. And he said, well, then I'm going to put you in the furnace. And in Daniel 3.17, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O King. All speech. The confidence, all speech. The confidence to speak the Word of God without fear and plainly. The third thing when a person is filled with the Spirit of God and receives the power of the Holy Spirit is that he is committed. Verse number 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and what we have heard. They were filled with the Spirit of God and they were committed to the Word of God. Folks, you are going to be called upon, if you are a child of God, you are going to be called upon in the days ahead to be committed to God. Albert Barnes wrote, It has already been remarked that these two verses contain an important principle In favor of religious liberty, the liberty of conscience and private judgment. The responsibility of men for their religious opinions is direct to God, and that other men have no power or control. The opposite of this is tyranny and oppression. So, if you are a believer, you're probably going to face some difficult times ahead. What I am saying to you is that at the time of need, the Holy Spirit will give you supernatural power and you will have courage, confidence to speak plainly, and committed to God. Now, there's resistance to that, there will be resistance. You'll notice in verse 13 now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. The world resists not those who have been to church, but those who have been with Jesus. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to church and the world really doesn't care. But when you've been with Jesus, the world does. They recognize them as having been with Jesus. So they questioned the message. Verse number 7, when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? So what you're seeing now is a strategy because the world resists the spirit-filled Christian. So they asked the question, they questioned, what is the Christian's response? Verse number 10. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. And so courageously, uh, courageously and with confidence they spoke of Jesus. Where did this authority come from? Where did you get this authority? How can you do this? How can you say this? In the name of of Jesus Christ now the world will try to undermine and intimidate your message of God R.G. Campbell wrote or Campbell Morgan wrote this story of the first opposition reveals for all time for all time the nature of opposition to Christianity this is the way that it's always worked now what do they do well they couldn't deny the miracle look at verse number 15 But when they had ordered them to go aside out of the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So the beggar had been lame. He had been there for 40 years, and now that he is healed. So they couldn't deny that. So when they cannot deny it, what do they do next? If the world cannot deny what you're saying, what do they do? They tried to silence the messenger or the speech. Look at verse number 17. But in order that it may not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So the strategy then is, I can't deny that a miracle has taken place, so we just don't want them talking about it. Silence the speech. Folks, that is exactly what we are facing today. In my lifetime, I have never seen the First Amendment under attack as it is today. Why? To silence the speech. Can't deny it, so I try to silence the speech. We saw that in North Carolina when The governor of the state, the legislature passed legislation for the protection of religious liberty. What happened then? Well, business attacked it, the NBA attacked it, the media attacked it. Why? Because they were wrong? No, they wanted them to hush. We're seeing that in the military now concerning chaplains. That they are under attack trying to silence the speech. We have seen churches in Iowa as they are attacked concerning their speech. There was a football coach in Washington, I believe Seattle, who lost his job because he prayed with his team. So the strategy has always been the same and we see it repeated today. We can't deny that a miracle occurred so we want them to hush. And then they attacked the messenger with contempt, verse 13, now as they observed the confidence in Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were uneducated. The disciples were uneducated. Have you noticed that when the establishment or someone does not agree with your position, they try to paint you as an uneducated person? surely you're uneducated or you would know better than that. Try to paint us as uneducated, anti-science. You see, if you believe that God created the world, if that is your belief, then you are anti-science. If you believe some of the positions articulated by Scripture, and you say that, then you're said to be on the wrong side of history. I hear that a lot, and I think, really? I mean, that has been our position for thousands of years. It's been the position in our country for over 200 years. When did I get on the wrong side of history? I thought that I'd been on the right side of history all this time, but recently it's changed, and so now I'm I'm on the wrong side of history. If you take a position that we take oftentimes concerning the Word of God and you stand against the things that the Word of God condemns, then I'm told we are better than that. I'm really not. I simply believe the Bible's the Word of God. Now, you may disagree with me, But I believe the Bible is the word of God and and that's where I'm going to stand. Then there are threats that follow the content. Barclay wrote, they were told what would happen if they went on with the course they had chosen. And today, whenever we take a stand concerning the word of God, then we are threatened. I hear oftentimes, of course, being pastor of a church that, you know, there's the threat of losing your tax exemption. There is separation of church and state but we're going to lose tax exempt so there's there's resistance there always has been but here's what I want to say to you because I don't want to paint a bleak picture and especially for these young people because the world uh, is yours I've already used up my part so the world is is yours so what can you do what can you do going forward well you see we can have revival we can have revolution as a result of your relationship with Christ. Because of your relationship with Christ, you can change things. And as I look here at these disciples, they they were faithful to the Lord and to His Word. Look at verse number 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. We have to do what is right in the sight of God. Now, that's that's your call. That's your responsibility to do what is right in the sight of God. Barnes wrote, the great question before every man is what is right in the sight of God. It is not what is expedient or safe or pleasurable or honorable among men, but what is right in the sight of God. That's what you have to do. It's the same thing. That is what you have to do. Do what is right in the sight of God. And they said, and we cannot stop speaking about that. This is right in the sight of God, and we cannot be quiet about that. And the same thing is true with you. You can make a difference. You can change things. You can change your world, these young people. You can change it. But you continue to speak the things, that, what is right in the sight of God. When we do that, then we can see revival, we can see revolution, that has always been true. When the people of God, and there are examples of uh, when there were few people of God, but when they are committed to God, then they see revival. The Great Awakening is a, is a case in point. Dr. Jim Garlow was talking about the Great Awakening and during that time when revival swept across this land. I mean, it was, it, it was not a good time for the country, but then people began to pray and revival began to sweep across the land. People were being saved. Lives were being changed. Dr. Garlow wrote, so many people were coming to Christ where there weren't any churches established. So at that time, there were people being saved. There weren't even any churches there there were no churches. People were being saved. And he said, so they built a little log building they called Log College and began to train the pastors to try and go out and plant churches to keep up with the revival. So people were being saved in an area and there were no churches there. So they, 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 they started a school, Log College. And they were training people to share the gospel, these preachers, to share the gospel, to go out to minister to the people and to lead them. Now, that uh, Log College, you're familiar with it. Today it's known as Princeton University. But it came into existence because there was a revival that was sweeping across the land and they needed preachers so they were training men to go out and share the gospel that's what I'm saying that's what you can do that's what God can do through you to change things we must be faithful to God so as I look at them they were faithful they were faithful and then they worshiped the Lord verse number 23 and when they had been released they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is thou who didst make the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Barnes wrote, they were encompassed with danger and they acknowledged him as their God. If we face some challenging times, and I believe we do, How especially do the young people relate to that? Be faithful to God and his word. Be faithful to God. Faithful to his word. May not be popular. May not be easy. But be faithful to his word. Worship him. He is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He wears the victor crown. Worship him. As I look at what they did, they were faithful to God and to his word. They worshipped him and they witnessed of him. Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. As I look at that, they had been released. They had been arrested because of their faith in God. Now they are released. They get together with other believers. They're faithful to the word. They worship him. The Bible says that they prayed and the place was shaken. That's always what happens. When you pray, when you get in touch with God, then the place is shaken because that's what the Holy Spirit does. In the face of adversity in time to come, it is my prayer that you will continue to proclaim Jesus saves. And there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. If God's word is true, I believe it is. If it is true, then Jesus is the only way of salvation We live in a world that is increasingly hostile to our beliefs. But God's power is greater than the power of the world. So John said, greater is he who is within you than he who is of the world. The Holy Spirit indwells and greater is he who is within than he who is of the world. I read the story about a missionary doctor in Korea. He had performed an intricate surgery. At the end of it, he was exhausted. There was a man standing by and asked him the question. He said, if you were in the United States and did that surgery, what would it cost? And he said, oh, it would cost thousands of dollars. And he said, well, how much would you receive here as a missionary? He said, nothing but her gratitude and the master's smile. Folks, that's what we do. We want to live our lives for the master's smile. That we can tell other people about Jesus Christ. That many of them will be saved and we receive the master's smile. That's the reason we serve. Our Father in God, I pray that you'll prepare our hearts. Prepare us in our faith. Especially with the students some of the younger ones who are here, young marriage, probably that their world's not going to be as friendly to them as our country has been to us. But Father, may they be faithful. May they continue to worship you. And Lord, may they live in such a way that they tell others about Jesus, that others might be saved, and they'll do it all under the smile of the Master. I pray in Christ's name. Just a moment, we'll stand. We'll extend an invitation. If you do not know Christ, we encourage you to trust him. If you're looking for a church home, and the Lord has put it in your heart, we'd love to have you as a part of this family. The choir will sing, You Come, I'll Greet You as You Do. Stand with me, please. I'm thrilled to see Joe and Peggy Penner out there. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us today. Dear friends, it's done the celebration of liberty here at First Baptist ever since we started. And uh, we're delighted that they are here. There is the, uh, the, the kickoff. It's all in your bulletin. The kickoff this evening of all the fall activities. You look at that. There is the student parent lunch uh, as they discuss what is going to be happening in the student ministry this uh, next year and uh, Philip said that there are a few spaces left, so if you didn't sign up, he'll probably try to sneak you in there, but it is back in Ellis Hall for the parents and the students. We are, um, you're doing really, August is catch-up month for us financially. You are doing really well, the first two weeks. I'm so thankful for you and proud of you, You've been very generous, and I think that we're gonna come out of August in a good position, so just continue to be faithful during the month of, uh, of August real kicks off this tuesday evening man that is a wonderful ministry i am i am surprised at the number of men who are involved in that they are very faithful and uh, it will kick off here at the church right it would be back in ellis back in ellis for the men and uh, that will be this tuesday it's in your bulletin as well college students delighted that you're here we have free lunch for you over in family life center hope that you'll go over there and uh, get to know some of our people but it'll be over in the family life center now then um, if you have any prayer needs these deacons with red badges on will pray for you steve you've got a word that uh, that you're giving
1: if you'll just go stand right down there in the front we'll ask the pastor to go down there uh, the men from real I'll call the crew leaders please if you'll come up and these deacons if you'll just come and sort of surround the pastor but crew leaders come please quickly and uh, surround the pastor they had asked for the privilege of doing this today and to just lift the pastor up uh, that the Lord will continue to give him boldness and courage as he preaches the word here in this place and you certainly heard the bold word preached today and so Bob Devonport, if you'll come and just lead us in this prayer for our pastor as these men surround him.
0: Father God, we just come to you now. We come lifting up our dear pastor to you. Father, we thank you for the way that you have used him for these 30 years. And Father, we thank you for the blessing that he has been. But Lord, we pray that your spirit would fill him completely, totally. Lord, that uh, he would be the vessel that you used to reach us, that we might do the things that he has talked about today that we might have the courage and we might have the commitment. And Father, we just again ask that you would work through him but God that You would work through us and that we would be your people. We thank you for his faithfulness. We pray for our faithfulness and we do this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. Now let's all stand, please. We'll give the pastor opportunity to make his way to the door back there. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the wonderful the wonderful joy of worshiping together. Thank you for the privilege of being able to sing about you. Thank you for the privilege of being together with your people. Thank you for the privilege of being able to hear your word preached so powerfully. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, may we not just be hearers of the word, but may we be doers of the word as your presence fills our lives and as we live for you. Not only today, Lord, but every time we come together, we pray that you would open up the heavens and we would see you in a powerful way. So we love you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray.